Welcome back to Data Protection Gumbo for episode number 141. I'm your host, Demetrius Malbro, and today I speak with Dawa Mann. He is the CEO and founder of Meltano, an open source platform for the complete data ops lifecycle. Spun out of GitLab in early 2021, Dawa took charge at Meltano and went on to raise $4.2 million in seed funding led by GV. He became a successful developer at a young age, co-founding his first company at the age of 18. In this episode, we discuss how data ops relates to DevOps, the advantages of open source technologies when building your data platform, and what's missing in today's modern data stack. So sit back and relax and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, Dawa. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I am fantastic. Uh, I am glad to have you on Data Protection Gumbo and looking forward to just learning a little bit about yourself and also um, Notano. So why don't you start off just by telling us how the company was founded and your journey to um, CEO? Yeah, I, uh, I guess that's as good a place to start as any. My journey to become CEO of Meltano and, and the birth of Meltano are a little bit uh, non-traditional since Meltano was originally founded as an internal software project at a tech company called GitLab, where I was working as a software engineer at the time. Um, GitLab is a company that builds a software platform for software development teams to collaborate, uh, essentially a tool that helps them take their software projects to the, through the entire DevOps lifecycle. And uh, the data team inside GitLab at some point realized that the data tools available to them didn't quite fit within this view of the world that GitLab had where you want to um, use the DevOps lifecycle, which I can talk a little bit more about in a second, to enable really effective collaboration within your team and give people the confidence to experiment and try stuff out without any worry that they'll break things in production. And the data tools that the Meltano team in GitLab found in the space at the time uh, didn't quite live up to those, uh, those ideals of software development. So Meltano was founded as an internal software project to essentially bring these software development best practices to data teams and to data workflows. Um, and after a number of years inside the company, I moved from uh, being a software engineer and then an engineering manager working on the main GitLab platform over to this Meltano team back in 2019. Um, and then in 2020, I became the general manager for the project, uh, running it essentially by myself for all of 2020. And then in early 2021, based on the success that we had found with the project in the open source community and, and with users, um, we decided to spin it out of GitLab as an independent startup and raise uh, external funding, which happened in, um, in in the spring of last year. And that's when I became CEO of a company that uh, is now 13 people on the team with a community on Slack of more than 2,200 people that are have joined us on this mission to uh, bring these software development best practices to the data lifecycle, as I described earlier. Wow, that's very impressive. And it, I think you got started at a young age as a developer, right? And so you, which, which uh, software language did you start off with? <laughs> uh, so yeah, I started very young. I was, I think, nine years old when one of my friends in high school, well, not high school, it would have been primary school at the time, when he realized that 
um, in Microsoft Word, you can hit the Save as HTML button, and then the page will end up opening in your web browser. And that was the first time we realized that all of these websites we were interacting with were based on, on code that, that we, even at our very young age, could essentially uh, piece together. So it started with HTML and CSS, and then pretty quickly I started learning PHP to make more um, advanced dynamic applications. And from these early days, it has really been um, open source software and the free availability of so much content and technology on the internet uh, that made it possible for me to pick up a lot of these skills uh, myself without being limited by any particular you know, educational organization or expensive software. And some of those, uh, that appreciation for open source software and the way it allows everyone to use the, um, the, the capabilities uh, is something that I carry through to today with Meltano, which is also open source and um, something that anyone in the world can get started with in a matter of minutes uh, for free. Although, of course, as we are building a company around the project now, we have plans to uh, build a commercial managed hosting platform in the foreseeable future as well. Okay, nice. And just just for my own silly sake here, and I'm, I'm not that educated on, on GitLab, is GitLab connected to GitHub? Yeah, right. so it's a great question. And of course, the uh, similarity in the names is not a coincidence. Um, both GitHub and GitLab are essentially big platforms built around this underlying Git technology for version control. Um, GitLab and GitHub as companies or products are not related, only in so far that they occupy a similar space. Um, in fact, GitHub was around a little bit earlier than GitLab and, and built out this really um, successful, you know, web-based SaaS product for software development teams. And GitLab was created as an open source alternative to GitHub. The idea being that um, this is something that organizations want to be able to self-host within their own infrastructure. And it's something where you can get a developer community enthusiastic enough to help you improve the tool and uh, make it user's ideal tool. So that's sort of our GitLab sits relative to GitHub. And uh, those same sort of open source roots and the need to build really great tooling in collaboration with its users is what stands at the root of Meltano today. Okay, awesome. And so I've heard terms like the developer is king, and you know if you are if you are a software developer, you you basically have the, the world in the palm of your hands. Like you could you could be really high paid, and uh, you can write your own ticket. You know if you're really really good. And you know one thing that I was introduced uh, to was the world of DevOps and DevSecOps and the whole CI/CD pipeline. And, and there's a whole other world uh, when when you start going down the pathway of building software and deploying software and automation and APIs. And I mean, it's, it's just a whole nother world. It's like walking down the, uh, the yellow brick road, except it's like a, a virtual road <laughs> in, in, in web three, maybe metaverse type, whatever you want to think about, but I digress. But, uh, what I really want to ask you is just from a software development perspective, can you maybe give us some, some idea around uh, software development best practices and the importance of, uh, let's say, a data team to be able to follow uh, certain best practices when they are thinking of developing software. Yeah, 100%. So, um, 
in, in the world of software development, uh, DevOps stands for uh, developer operations, and it is a combination of best practices and workflows and tools that allow these teams that come together to build great software to do so more effectively with higher confidence in the end result. And some of the really important steps here are uh, sort of the life cycle that software goes through, where there are certain steps built in that allow uh, teams to become super confident that they're not accidentally breaking something something in the live production environment. Um, one of those is, is version control. The idea that you're not just working with one Word document that's always changing and you have to save separate V1s and V2s and finals, et cetera, especially when you're uh, sending it around to your team, which a lot of organizations still did before the days of Google Docs. Similar with GitLab and GitHub and similar, uh, similar systems, your teams are using a version control tool like GitHub, uh, Git to ensure that every time they make a change to the code. This change is actually described in such a way that it can also easily be rolled back and so that people in the future can figure out why certain code was written the way it was. And what this allows at the same time is that if you have multiple people on the team making changes to the code um, in parallel, these changes can be automatically merged so that all of the additions and fixes end up uh, in the end result instead of that being a result of, of manual effort to combine all these different versions that are floating around. And then the step that really ties this to the high confidence in the quality of the work is that this also enables code review of each individual change before it actually goes into the live copy of the code. It can be passed through this process where other people in the team get a chance to sign off on it and make sure that it is indeed the best way to realize the desired change. And this goes hand in hand with something called CICD, which stands for Continuous Integration and uh, Delivery, as you said a couple seconds ago, where these sort of review process for the code isn't just humans coming in and using their own uh, eyes and judgment, but also automated testing processes that take all of the code and verify that it still meets certain desirable qualities. Like for example, this feature works, or when you press that button, this is the end result. Or in the case of data, uh, once the data has passed through this pipeline, it looks like this. And these are some of the qualities of, uh, of the data set in terms of the aggregates and the uh, various other things you can double check. So because of code review and version control, because of continuous integration, and then finally also continuous deployment, you can make sure that no code makes it into the live environment that hasn't passed through multiple stages of some kind of verification. And this means that anyone in the team that is um, trying to figure out the best way to solve some problem can do so freely and experimentally without any risk of potentially breaking things for the end user that is currently looking at the website or that is currently looking at a dashboard. And um, this DevOps is something that has come up over the last uh, decade or so, and it has really revolutionized the velocity with which software organizations can build really high quality stuff. Because on the one hand, they can experiment without any fear, and they can also make sure that whatever goes live is actually um, you know, doing exactly what it was intended to do. And with those two qualities, you allow teams to be far more creative and uh, sort of innovative when it comes to the changes that they are willing to make and discuss with their team and, and give a try. And there are a lot of parallels to the work that software teams do that are building a software product um, with the way that data teams work when they are essentially 
serving a role for the rest of the organization. So the way we think about it, when you are a software development team, um, you usually have users and these users are usually you know, out there in the world somewhere and you get their feedback through some support channel or through your account managers. And it's up to the combination of the product managers and the software developers and the user experience designers to come up with solutions to those uh, proposals incorporate them into the product and then ship it out the latest version to these end users and when we're looking at data teams there is a really big similarity there with one difference being that the users are internal so the data team essentially is an internal software product development unit within an organization that is building a data platform for the rest of the organization to use and all of the questions that are coming from the org like oh you know i need this number for my dashboard or can you tell me which of these uh, you know campaigns had a better result are essentially feature requests that the data team is tasked with addressing by just like a software development team um, improving their data platform and being able to do so in a rapid fashion without accidentally breaking things is essential. And the software development best practices of code review and automatic testing um, and only deploying things to production once they are very sure to be correct, uh, apply directly onto data teams. But for some reason, which uh, to GitLab since 2018 has sort of uh, surprised us, um, these same best practices haven't been carried over to the data world yet as much as we think they deserve to be. And that's exactly what we are trying to address with uh, Meltano, uh, which we effectively, affectionately call the data ops operating system. Data ops essentially being DevOps applied to the world of data. Okay. Wow. Well, well said. That that was uh, very eloquently laid out. And uh, as you were speaking there, I was just thinking a little bit about the evolution of all of this. To me, kind of started with cloud and you know virtualization. And you know, when you think of a stack uh, from the cloud perspective, you think of compute, storage, and network. But what I want to do is I want to get your perspective on the data stack and. What do you think is missing in, in today's modern data stack? Number one, define it for, for us, and then just proceed to telling us what do you think is, is missing from, from, that, from that modern data stack? Yeah, uh, that's a really good question. So the modern data stack today, um, when you were you know, trying to get anything done with data a number of years ago, you would probably find one of these big products like Informatica that helps you do everything from getting the data out of various systems to, to processing it and then um, giving you some ability to, to do analysis on it or um, use that data for, for other you know, workflows. Uh, but today, the ecosystem has, has fractured a little bit where there are dedicated, really great tools for each step of the data lifecycle, where the data lifecycle starts with connecting with various uh, data sources, which can be individual databases or, or SaaS tools, or even you know, files in an FTP server somewhere, um, you know, sucking all of that stuff up, which is called extract and load, uh, putting it in some kind of data warehouse, which is that load step, and then transforming the data there into a format that is more amenable to analysis or for certain um, you know, complicated queries to run against them, which is transformation. And then once the data is in your data warehouse in the desired shape, you have to use it some way, which can be consumption with some kind of visualization tool where you build dashboards and graphs and reports. Um, you can also use this data in Jupyter notebooks for data science use cases if you want to directly be able to 
run Python code or other statistical uh, tools against it. And you can, of course, also take this data and into a machine learning pipeline in order to um, you know, create these weights that you can then use in your product to essentially make it smarter and smarter by processing this, uh, this data that is available to you. So what we're talking about is basically one tool for each of these steps. Uh, there's a number of tools that are really great at extract and load, like Fivetran, uh, which is one of the big players today. Um, for transformation, DBT has become a really popular solution. And then on the side of visualization, um, there are products, of course, like Looker. And on the open source side of things, there are tools like Superset and Lightdash and Metabase. And the other component that fits in here is an orchestration workflow orchestration manager, like an Airflow or a Dexter, that allows you to define these pipelines that should be running on a certain cadence so that they automatically suck up all the new data and, and present it for consumption. And then the final piece is this data warehouse I described, which these days is typically something like Snowflake, which uh, sits on top of uh, Amazon S3 and is this really um, you know, analytics optimized database, if you want to kind of think about it in very easy terms. So you're already talking about a number of different technologies here. And when you are completely getting started from scratch, that means that you need to find one solution for each of these, let's say, five stages in the life cycle. And there are you know, at least five options for each of these stages. And while there might be one or two that are more or less standard, um, all of them, of course, proclaim to be more appropriate for particular use cases. And there's quite a challenge in even just figuring out which ones you want to use. And then once you've made that decision, you got to figure out how you're going to actually set up all of them. So in a lot of cases, these are SaaS software where you can sign up and get into some subscription model. But there are also open source uh, alternatives that you can self-manage within your own infrastructure so that you don't have your data leave your, you know, your AWS namespace, for example. Um, and then there's the challenge of hooking all of these tools up so that they are talking to the same data warehouse and so that the uh, definition of the data that your extract and load pipeline generates is consistent with what you have set up your, um, your, your, you know, your queries to run against, for example. And in other words, um, instead of having like one tool that sort of tried to do it all, like Informatica in the early days, what we have today is uh, a number of different tools that are all really great at one particular thing, which is awesome because the end result is can be super, super fine-tuned to your needs. But as you're hearing from my description, managing all of that complexity just sounds daunting. Just hearing me talk through it, there's like a lot to, to, to model in your head and to connect. And what that means is that even when you've gone through the work of doing that, which of course a lot of organizations do because they do want those, uh, those advantages, um, you end up in a place where you have sort of locked yourself into a particular combination of tools because it's all held together by what amounts to duct tape in many cases. And it's going to be increasingly difficult to uh, improve your data stack from that point on, bringing in new um, technologies or trying out alternatives to something you set up originally. Um, and in general, it's going to be something that you're going to be a little bit afraid to touch because any you know wrong button click could have the entire thing fall down. And that means that you might accidentally break the dashboard that your CFO is presenting in a board meeting. So the missing piece here is um, not another point solution for one step in the data lifecycle, but rather better data infrastructure tooling that allows all of this complexity to be managed. And specifically, that allows this entire data platform to be managed, not just as oh, a combination of different tools, but as one software project that from the team's perspective can be treated like one cohesive whole that serves a role 
all within the organization um, and where all of these components and the assets that live inside them can be treated as the data platform instead of having people on your team where one person knows how this tool works and the other knows how this tool works and you end up very much siloed. So with Meltano, what we uh, are in the process of building and is this data ops operating system that is essentially the foundation of every team's ideal data platform and allows them to get started with Meltano and then bring in the uh, desired components really easily with Meltano taking care of the installation, the configuration, the deployment, and the integration between the different tools. Doing so in such a way that your entire data platform, all the way from data integration to analysis, uh, can be treated like a software project that can then be taken through this DevOps lifecycle I talked about earlier, like any other software project, unlocking these DevOps advantages uh, for the data team and making them all the more uh, efficient, collaborative, and, and experimentative when it comes to figuring out how to build the best possible data platform for the organization without any fear of accidental breaking a dashboard in production. Wow, that sounds really complex to <laughs> take all of those systems, do the installation and, and the, on the data infrastructure side and like just... Yeah, it's kind of a, you know, we'll do it so you don't have to uh, situation. And, and we've got a community of 2,000 people that have, in many cases, done this before themselves that are now coming together to essentially take all of those learnings and make it so that the next person who uh, has that challenge ahead of them doesn't need to reinvent the wheel from scratch, but can build on this uh, kind of pool of, of knowledge and tooling that um, that this community has built. Yeah. And wh where, where is your, your platform running? Is that in AWS? That's a great question. So uh, today, uh, Meltano is completely open source and the only mm -hmm. sort of deployment model we currently support is uh, self-managed, meaning that you can download the software for free, set okay. it up on your local machine, and it's up to you currently to find the best way to host it. Uh, but later in the year, we are planning to set up a managed offering for Meltano-defined, Meltano-powered data platforms, uh, essentially a SaaS or a platform as a service that will um, both allow organizations to host their data platforms within our infrastructure or to use our control plane and get our support and our SLAs while still hosting it within one's own um, infrastructure with you know AWS or GCP or whatever. Okay. And, and earlier you, you mentioned data ops. And so I just want to make sure it's clear for, for the Gumbo listeners the difference between data ops and, and DevOps and you know, are they similar, are they different, or are they both are related? Yeah, um, so like I mentioned earlier, we it's easy to think of data ops simply as DevOps applied to data, and that's a large part of it. But ultimately, data ops is about bringing a lot of these best practices that have uh, taken hold in the software development world or generally in the project development world, like uh, DevOps, but also Agile um, and, and a couple of other kind of learnings into data and make it so that data teams can, um, as I was describing earlier, just be more effective and increase their velocity without uh, reducing the quality of their output. And the DevOps is a big part of that because ultimately the data platform that teams are building is a software project like any other, even if it feels like a number of uh, product uh, purchasing decisions, essentially what you're doing is building a product out of components that just happen to be off the shelf or SaaS, although they can also be open source. And like any software project that you're constantly improving, um, these DevOps best practices 
this pretty directly apply. The other side of it has to do with managing the actual uh, quality of the data or uh, allowing you know, lineage uh, so that you can figure out how data went from all the way in the original data source to the dashboard you're currently looking at. And data validation is like I described earlier about some of these checks about the uh, the shape of the data and, and making sure it meets certain criteria so that you're not looking at data that is, uh, you know, the pipeline broke down and, and whatever you're looking at is not representative. So what it starts with data ops is just DevOps applied to the process of building the data platform. And then the second step is bringing some of these same automatic testing procedures um, into the data flows themselves. And we are starting with the first step uh, because that's where the biggest gap exists right now to get people used to this way of thinking of their data platform as a software project and um, and, and bringing in these, these software development best practices there. But the data ops, the other side of the data ops problem is being solved by some of those components that we support on top of the data ops operating system, like great expectations for data testing or uh, a number of different tools for uh, for lineage and, and governance, which are also part of this whole uh, picture. Okay, awesome, awesome. And and you you also mentioned that it is, I guess, open source uh, technology. So maybe you can give the Gumbo listeners kind of an idea as to what are some of the advantages of open source technologies, especially when you're dealing with, you know, building something like a data platform. Yeah. So open source, um, essentially means that the source code of whatever product is uh, publicly available and can also be contributed to by its users. So users can read the code, um, use it themselves in many cases for, uh, for, for arbitrary purposes. And then if they run into particular issues or they have extra needs of the software that uh, it doesn't currently meet, they can actually improve the source code and send those suggestions back to the original team to be incorporated in the product uh, to the benefit of the entire community. And one big advantage of open source technologies is simply the fact that you are not limited by anyone when you need to debug it or improve it or uh, if, if you're you know you have needs that differ from the use case that some particular product team at some SaaS company had in mind uh, meaning that open source tools can easily become the best possible tools because they are built in really close collaboration with their users and they can meet those needs without a number of layers of support or account management in between because the engineers that are your users can directly express their wishes by actually writing the code that does it. And if that makes sense within the product vision, then the product keeps getting better, not just because of one full-time team working on it, but uh, thousands of people, in the case of Maltano, uh, 2,200 people on Slack that can bring their own wishes into it. But concretely, um, with open source software, you also have advantages um, when you need to self-manage your data platform and don't want your data to flow through some server, uh, maybe even in a foreign country, that you don't really want your privacy-sensitive or secure uh, confidential data to flow through. Because with open source software, since the code is all available, you can run it on your own infrastructure just as easily as someone else can far away. Um, the other advantages that we're seeing a lot in the software development world where open source comes from is that it allows technologies to essentially become industry standards because the barrier to adoption is so incredibly low, meaning that people come out of college uh, having experience with some of these open source technologies and 
coming into companies and immediately knowing how to do it. And this is one of the reasons why open source technologies like MySQL and PostgreSQL or Git for version control have become so popular because you come across them in every size of business and in college classes, uh, as opposed to some of these enterprise-only solutions that people that are coming to work at a big enterprise have probably never worked with if they didn't come from a similar company and need to be completely trained on. And as these open source technologies are used in more and more environments, they also become more and more mature and enterprise ready until they reach the point where in most use cases, they are uh, on par with or superior to the sort of dedicated proprietary offers of the past with massive advantages in the amount of people around the world that have simply used that stuff and can get up and running with it really quickly. So if you are building an a, um, a data platform out of open source components, you also have this advantage of uh, there being a really, really large tool of pool of users who have been exposed to that technology because it was so accessible. Yeah, that, that's a nice spin on, on open source technologies. I remember uh, back when I was at Puppet, of course, there was an open source part of it. You know, the, the main thing about, you know, using open source was that it's really for smaller, medium-sized businesses, but when you're talking about that enterprise level scale, then you may need something like a dedicated support team to help you with some of the bugs or issues with that particular technology. Uh, but that, that was a while ago for me. And so I'm sure things are really morphing and advancing with open source technologies now and i'm sure you know more about that what, what you're saying what you're saying is correct of course because earlier i was kind of sh sharing the advantage of being able to debug stuff and improve stuff without uh, needing the help of another team but in many cases you might not actually want to spend that time yourself you don't necessarily want to be limited by some vendor that is going to be slow to respond when you have like a pressing issue and in those circumstances it's useful to be able to do so yourself and it gives you a significant control over the data platform which is essentially this, this really critical asset for your organization um, but of course if you need really detailed support or if you want um, you know SLAs around uptime then even in the open source world there is this this open core business model where an open source project has a commercial entity uh, basically founded around it that then provides these additional enterprise paid services to users of the open source technology and that is also the uh, commercialization path that we are expecting to go into uh, later this year where we will, on the one hand, offer managed hosting for those teams that are not comfortable self-managing their entire data infrastructure, as well as these um, yeah, support and SLA advantages and certain enterprise functionality that uh, the open source edition doesn't support, like role-based access control or single sign-on. So for these really large enterprises that need to have um, this level of support, there are usually commercial offerings around the open source technology available. But the fact that it's open source still creates a lot of these advantages because uh, if you do need to you can debug it yourself if you do have certain desires that aren't currently being met you can add them uh, and it's really easy to hire people who have used it already and in some sense you're benefiting from the fact that only a small percentage of all of the users of a product uh, end up needing to pay for it because it means that there are far 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 more people that are bringing in feedback and that are potentially even improving the software themselves than the segment that has those higher enterprise needs um, that they would pay for. But at the same time, um, what we are seeing with Meltano is that a lot of organizations are comfortable enough with um, you know, version control and command line interfaces on their local machine that they really like defining their Meltano-based data platform as a software project. But managing Kubernetes infrastructure is still a bridge too far or something 
no one these days really enjoys doing anymore. So a large segment of these users will end up uh, probably using our managed hosting offering, uh, but there's still massive advantages in the open source nature of the operating system itself, because as part of um, taking a software project through this DevOps lifecycle, it needs to be possible to run the entire platform in a representative way in different environments so that you can really try out your changes without affecting production. And this means that all of the components of your data platform need to be able to run both on your team's local machines, um, within a staging environment on some server, and in production. And this model, um, open source software, leads leads uh, itself to really, really well because the code is always available. It can always be installed wherever it's needed, as opposed to some of these proprietary technologies that have a lot of limitations on, on where and under what circumstances they can run. And these are therefore um, less, less well of a fit for thinking of your data platform as a software project. Okay, awesome. This this was very um, potent information. I, I really appreciate the conversation. And one final question for you, Dawa. Let's say a college student was, let's say, maybe a computer science major. They are a maybe a sophomore or junior in, in university in college. And they are looking into maybe getting into like on the developer side of the house and, and coding and writing scripts and, you know, all, all of the things that, that you did at an early age. Uh, wh what advice would you give to them right now? I would say the biggest advice is don't discount just the massive wealth of information that is available on the internet um, basically with no restrictions and that doesn't just limit itself to you know really detailed tutorials to do basically whatever you'd want to accomplish in any any software but also the software projects themselves that you can learn from what like high quality enterprise grade code looks like um, a lot of my programming development came from reading open source projects uh, and, and figuring out how you know real professional teams wrote this stuff. And the fact that you can find this software um, like Meltano and like some of these solutions I've mentioned, like Airflow and DBT and, and Singer for EL, um, this is all code out there you can learn a ton from. And you can also learn from experience by trying to contribute to some of these projects and getting feedback from their maintainers so that you can get experience of what professional engineers expect from code without actually having to work at one of these companies yet. Um, and if you can come into one of these organizations already having taken a bunch of your code through this rigorous code review process and getting it merged into real-world production-ready, enterprise-ready applications like Meltano, like GitLab, um, then you will have a great head start compared to uh, other people without work experience applying for similar roles who are coming in uh, a lot ju more junior than uh, than you would. And um, don't discount the fact that a lot of these open source technologies are actually used in these real life companies as well. If you learn how to use Meltano or Airflow or DBT, you're going to find these in your potential future employers. Uh, and this is all experience you can gain uh, by yourself uh, in your own time without needing to do so on the job. And it allows you to get started all the, all the more quick. Okay. That is great advice. And before I let you go, what, what book are you reading? Do you have any book recommendations for us? 
Oh, uh, <laughs> I actually started reading uh, for the first time a couple days ago. It's it's fiction. It's uh, Mistborn by Brandon Sanderson because I read that he had um, announced some other books in the universe that he was launching through Kickstarter and I had never read his books before, but a couple of people in the Meltano Slack community mentioned having read them when they were younger, so I got intrigued enough to go to try uh, because I've been trying recently to learn more, uh, to read more fiction again to sort of distract myself from you know the, the constant work 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 um, you know non-fiction reading is really great and really valuable but it's also important to be able to relax and it's nice to have an alternative that's a little bit slower than uh, always just putting on a Netflix show and sort of you know forgetting the two hours of your life that uh, so easily flies away doing that I, I agree I agree and uh, how can the gumbo listeners reach out to you and maybe learn more about uh, Meltano yeah um, if, if you're listening right now and you are either a data engineer who has uh, been a little bit envious of his software development counterparts and, and wants some of these uh, advantages like version control and automatic testing or if you are a software developer who has to set up a data stack and is uh, you know getting um on the one hand overwhelmed by all the different decisions that need to be made and also sort of upset that uh, it looks a lot more brittle than you'd like it to be in 2022. Um, Meltano is an awesome solution so Meltano.com will kind of take you through the process of getting started with the product but uh, one of the most impactful things you can do to help us uh, realize this vision is to join our Slack community on Meltano.com Slack and if this is a journey and a mission that motivates you um, you know more than whatever else you're working on today we have a number of job openings as well both on the engineering and the marketing side of the house which you can find through montano.com slash jobs so uh, our mission is to make the uh, the power of data available to um, organizations of, of any sides and uh, we are doing so by bringing all of these software development best practices into the daily life cycle and making teams more um, effective than ever with the help of better tooling i like it making the power of data available so uh Gumbo listeners, you, you've heard it. And uh, Dow, it, it was really a pleasure to have you on Data Protection Gumbo. And I, I look forward to getting feedback on, on this episode and also just learning a little more about yourself as well. So thank you for, for being a guest on the show. My pleasure, Demetrius. Thanks for your time. Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.